Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. All right, you guys. Welcome to another awesome episode of the Doing It at Home podcast. Today, we have a birth story for you, and it's a great one. So I got to sit down and chat with Jaleesa about the birth of her daughter, Selah. And I have to say that we really run the gamut with this conversation, and we hit all points from getting pregnant and what that was like, the surprise and shock of that, and the mixed bag of emotions that came with that. You know, a lot of times we're taught or programmed to believe that getting pregnant, being pregnant automatically needs to be this exciting, joyful, ecstatic thing. And it really wasn't like that for Jaleesa. And she's really open and honest about that, which I appreciate because it's not always that way in everyone's journey. Sometimes there are some things that come up around getting pregnant. And for some women, it may not be the most amazing, awesome experience to ever happen and takes a bit to to process. So we talk about that and birth planning decisions making, care provider selection, and birth itself, and uh, some of the uh, the loops and turns that arrive, as we know, can sometimes in that experience. And I love this. Jaleesa's pregnancy and birth journey has put her on the path to becoming a midwife through the Indie Birth Midwifery School. And that is just the coolest thing ever. And part of her mission and what she is seeking to do as she moves forward in serving other women and families is to share stories, share her story, share other people's stories to just create an empowering narrative around birth and Hi, total alignment here. Love that and loved having this conversation with Jaleesa. And I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Real quick, before we jump into that, need to acknowledge our sponsor for today's episode. So this story is brought to you and made possible in your ears right now by Bump Boxes. So what is Bump Boxes? I'm glad you asked. It is a monthly subscription service tailored to mamas during pregnancy all around your guest date. And so when you sign up for Bump Boxes, you can choose a month-by-month plan or a three-month plan, six or nine, and you get a box in the mail for you each month with full-sized, healthy, amazing products tailored to you to pamper you and just love on you and this experience of pregnancy. And uh, who doesn't want that? Because we all know we're buying the baby gear, but... I mean, mama needs loving and care as well along the process. So get the self-care reps in now uh, so that you are well acquainted with taking care of yourself by the time that baby arrives. And when you sign up for Bump Boxes right now with the code D-I-A-H, you will get 35% off your first box when you sign up for a subscription. That's pretty awesome. And I got to try out bump boxes, even though I don't have a bump right now, but I got to experience the bump box process for myself. And this stuff is 
awesome, you guys. Things from uh, natural lotions and lip balms to bath salts, a cool water bottle, a little massager and reflexology ball, all things that every mom could utilize, especially during the uh, journey of pregnancy. So go check that out. Go to mopboxes.com, sign up today, use that code D-I-A-H and get 35% off your first box. All right then, so let's jump right into it. The conversation, birth story, magicness, magical everything <laughs> with Jaleesa. Here it is. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Jaleesa. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. How are you today? I am super awesome. Feeling super excited to share my story with you. Ah, I love it. I always love when people respond with something, just a level up from good, you know, because I feel like good is just our trained response and thing that we tell people to just move along with our day and our conversation. But when someone comes at me with awesome or great or fantastic, I'm always like, Ooh, yes. (laughs) Right. I agree. Cool. So why don't you, before we dive into all sorts of juicy, awesome stuff, just share a little bit about yourself and what you're up to, where you're from. Sure. So um, my name is Jaleesa and I'm married to my husband, Derek. I have a five-month-old. Her name is Sayla. Um, Sometimes we refer to her as Sayla Grace just because that's her middle name and we love how it flows. Um, But um, I am currently wearing a lot of hats. I work a corporate office job, um, which hopefully I will be done with come July um, to pursue my other passions, which I currently am a doula. Um, in my area, and I am planning to be a traditional midwife, currently going through indie birth um, midwifery school. So kind of a lot going on. And of course, um, the role of mom, full-time mom to being um, working from home. So um, yeah, uh, my husband is a fabricator, uh, does a lot of welding and works a lot with steel. And yeah, we are very busy. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> yes. You weren't kidding about the multiple hats. Um, <laughs> but I love that you mentioned Indie Birth because we love Marin Green of Indie Birth. And we had her on the show and she talked all about, you know, part of her experience, but then also the creation of Indie Birth and the school, which you're involved in. And that's episode 119, by the way. So if any listening, you know, want to listen to a, um, uh, connected episode and hear more context around that. Go check that out. That's episode 119. Um, But I guess let's take a few steps back from that, how you ended up to where you are now. Um, What was the journey and the process from when you found out you were pregnant? Okay, sure. So it's actually um, really kind of funny. And um, coming from a Christian background, I like to say that God has a very huge sense of humor <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> I was never um, a kid person per se uh, before I got pregnant. And when my husband and I got married, we um, we had talked about, you know, maybe having a kid or two in the future, but like the very, very distant future. And um, I was still kind of on the edge about it. I knew he had wanted a couple kids. Um, and um, just I'm just going to throw this out there. Anyone who has an IUD, um, there is the, um, it could happen that the day you get it out, you can conceive. I'll just tell you that right now (laughs) because, um, I had the copper IUD and, uh, if the doctors were correct, um, because I did start out my journey 
going to an OB. They told me I conceived the day I got my IUD out. So oh just gosh. throwing that out there. Um, so um, anyway, to uh, find out I'm pregnant, I I bawled and bawled my eyes out. And my husband just held me in the bathroom. And I just didn't even know what to do. Like, I was just in total shock because we had only been married um, about a year and a few months. So I freshly married and it's like, I wasn't even ready for it. And I just, at that time I had no thoughts whatsoever of doula or midwifery work. It was nothing along those lines. And, um, so of course I'm free. All I know about pregnancy is that there's a growing inside me and that's about it. (laughs) I didn't even, I honestly wasn't even familiar with, um, the three trimesters. Like, Mm. I had no idea what to expect. And I actually, like, my whole life, I kind of grew up with a phobia of puking. As funny as that sounds, like, I legit would freak out. Like, I would panic. I would shake. I would cry. And so the funnier part is when I was just bawling my eyes out to my husband, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm pregnant. Like, I, <laughs> one of the first things I said was, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to puke. Yeah. And so, like, I wasn't even, like, that was the forefront of my mind right there. Like, I was freaked out of that. And so, thank God, like, I actually didn't puke once during my pregnancy. So I'm super grateful for that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so um, fast forward. I, of course, was because I knew nothing about pregnancy and honestly nothing about birth. I had only heard horror stories like most people and heard my own birth story, which wasn't very pleasant. And um, I called the OB immediately the next week. Um, So just a few days later. And of course, I'm like panicking and I'm like, okay, I need to get in as soon as possible. I don't know how far along I am. And um, they're just like, okay, well, we'll try to find a spot for you. You know, no rush, whatever. And I was like, no, but really, I don't know how far along I am. Like, of course, I just think everything could go wrong. I could lose the baby or something. Like, unfortunately, that's what went through my mind. So um, um, I just remember um, getting off that call and thinking, um, they're not going to get back to me in time. Should I try to contact someone else? Well, they end up um, calling me back later, tell, um, telling me when I can come in. And it was like 10 days later or so. And of course, um, I went in, did all, did the fun pee tests and all that. And um, they confirmed I was pregnant. And at that time, um, I, I thought I'd be going with just the OB, but then um, move ahead a little bit and I started, I actually went to an event called this Bloom event, which is an annual um, kind of birth mom type event um, in our area. And um, during this time, I ended up running into who would become my midwife. Um, And prior to this, I had um, met someone on Facebook, a girlfriend of mine, who had just started working as a doula and she knew um, this midwife a little bit too, but she ended up telling me about her experience in the hospital. And I just remember her mentioning, um, stay away from Pitocin. And I was like, what the heck is Pitocin? I was like, I don't want Pitocin. I know I want the epidural, but I don't like, I don't want Pitocin. And I told her, um, how, you know, when I found out I was pregnant, I knew I just wanted to be like as sedated as possible. Like I didn't want to feel anything mm. and it was going to be the most horrible experience ever. Well, um, so once I learned what Pitocin was, that got me thinking, well, what else don't I know? What else am I not familiar with? And so this girl, um, recommended, um, the business of being born, which I know is mentioned a lot on your show, mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic. Um, it, it, then the night that I sat down with my husband to watch it, um, it, it, I was surprised he actually agreed to watch it with me first of all. Um, but we both were kind of like, huh, like this is really interesting. And I had grown up like very naturally minded and like, um, very holistic. And so to, it was funny to me that I had never seen birth in that way. Um, and so as soon as we watched this, we both were kind of like, like, is this something we would want? Like, I know I don't want interventions. I don't want the cascade of interventions. And 
I told him that night, I said, I think I might want to do a home birth. And all of a sudden, everything flipped in my mind um, because I knew I didn't want the Pitocin and I still wasn't, I knew I didn't want a needle in my spine, even though I had said I wanted an epidural. And so I said, this home birth thing just sounds incredible. And of course he was kind of like, well, you know, do what you want. He was super supportive. He's like, if that's what you choose, great. I will support you a thousand percent. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. So, um, yeah, ended up at about 17 weeks going to this bloom event I mentioned. And, um, the girl I was with, um, one of it was more of an acquaintance of mine. And I don't, I can't even really remember why, but when we were there, she um, pointed out this booth to me and it was this midwife booth. And so I was like, Oh yeah, I'll check it out. It was like the first booth that there was and um, walk over there. And I see <laughs> she had um, Margo um, is her name. And Margo had her own um, birthday playing on video, which was really, really awesome wow. in my mind. Yeah. And she had a bunch of um, great information about home birth and um, with no interventions whatsoever. She was a traditional midwife. And um, I asked her some questions. She um, I told her, you know, like I was kind of thinking about the natural route, maybe a home birth. Still wasn't sure. And she told me um, to check out indie birth. And I, of course, wanted to dive right in with everything else I had been hearing. And so it was, oh, man, I went through Indie Births podcast so fast. Mm. Like, I listened to them every single day. And I just remember I was so excited. Cause I was like, I would be telling my friends, my family, did you know this about this? Did you know this? Like, it's like, it's so awesome. And <laughs> so I just got super excited. And I was reading everything I could on that website which led me to doing other research too outside of their website. Um, but they provide such amazing like education and information and um, very different from a lot of other things I've seen. And so everything I was finding on my own um, matched up with what they were saying about birth being normal and um, it can be beautiful. And so then um, fast forward to my next appointment, which was my OB appointment which was a couple weeks after that. And I had said that I wanted a, um, a hospital midwife. And I thought, you know, at that time, I didn't know the difference. And I was like, you know, that would, that would really be great. Well, um, turns out, yeah, bad idea. The, <laughs> that midwife ended up being just like an OB. And she didn't seem to have much trust in birth. Um, she actually, like, was kind of scaring me. She was more like, well, you know, um, first of all, you will have a required IV in your arm just in case, and just in case something happens, and you have to have that, and um, also just be prepared for any plans to change, which, you know, obviously plans do change, which I will talk about further on in my story, but she was very like, you know, it happens all the time, kind of putting in my mind that it's things, bad things could happen quick. And so I was like, you know, I left her. I told my husband, I said, I don't like this. I don't, I don't like the vibe she's giving off. And I don't like that. She doesn't seem to respect what I want because I had told her I didn't even want the IV in my arm and she just wasn't having it. She's like, that's just policy. And so I said, I, I don't want, I don't want her to be at my birth. I don't want to go to that hospital for my birth. And that day was kind of the day I was like, you know what? I, I am going to do a home birth. I, I still was a little nervous about it, but I was like, I don't want this. And so um, set up an appointment with the midwife that I met at the event and met her at this cute little tea shop. And she asked me what I wanted. She told me what she was all about. And from that meeting, I knew she was like the one. And I, I told her, I, I want to hire you now. And she even was awesome. And she's like, you know what? Take a couple of days. I want you to look around. I want you to talk to other midwives. And I said, no, I know you're perfect. But she gave me the day, a couple of days. And a couple of days later, I just said, again, I want you to be my midwife. And so it all worked out. And um, it was fantastic. Like, best 
treatment ever. And I know everyone talks about this, but the fact that they come to your house and you don't have to go anywhere and they just talk to you like a normal human being. They ask you how you're feeling. Like it's everything. And so, um, yeah. Wow. Where do you want me to go from here? That's you awesome. I, yeah. I, I just want to insert just a few things that this, this progression is so like, I'm so fascinated by it and you've definitely got me. So I can't wait to see where it keeps going. But just from, I mean, how many weeks before we're talking just a few months, completely shocked that you're pregnant, um, which I really appreciate you sharing. I don't think you hear enough of women really sharing some ambivalent feelings about being pregnant, even women who are actively uh, pursuing to conceive, there could still be a feeling of, oh my God, I don't know if I want that. You know, like all of the things you can still feel all of those things despite being clear that that's what you want to experience. Um, But I just really appreciate your candor in that sense. And I think it creates the space for other moms to not feel this immense sense of guilt or that it means something. I mean, let all the emotions process whatever it is. Um, I think that's very important. I am totally, and I am honestly such an upfront person and just so at times brutally honest, people might say, but I totally agree. Like I, I was so done at that point being fake in any way. And I was like, I even thought I could use this as something like to benefit other people, to show them that it's okay to feel these things because I knew that I wasn't alone. Like, even though I felt like I was in a way, I was like, I know I'm not the only one out there feeling this way. And so actually not like after you mentioned that, it reminded me when I first posted on Facebook about being pregnant, I was super brutally honest. And I said, you know, of course I'm going to love this baby and um, I'm sure she's going to be my world. Well, at the time I didn't know it was a she, but um, I said, but right now this isn't what I want. It's not what I expected. And it's really hard to deal with. And sadly um, some family from my husband's side um, thought it would be fantastic to, um, comment saying that, um, they felt bad for my child because my baby would not be loved. Mm. So I just remember how horrible that was. And I just thought, well, for, you know, I'm just going to brush it off and move on. But yeah. And that, I mean, there's so much that comes up for me with that. Cause I mean, there are consequences to being bold and open and honest and transparent and consequences isn't good yeah. or bad. It's just a result. And so by speaking your truth, there's going to be people who are confronted by that and feel their own things about that. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm happy. It seems like in your case, you know, you said you could brush it off and you kept going on your path and here you are now. I mean, which we'll get into right. more of the work that you're doing good grief. I mean, assisting more women to be, to be in their stance and to be in their truth. Um, but it's, Ooh, I mean, it's the road isn't easy and you definitely take some hits, but I think that's what makes it all the more, um, worth it and all the more inspiring and affirming for yourself, you know, despite whatever the comments are, despite whatever the opposition you receive. Um, so I, I acknowledge you for that. That's, that's huge. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we, we kind of had a a, a pause there in terms of, you know, moving trajectory. And so now we're on this home birth path and we have this great connection with your midwife. Um, and then what, what did you experience in the beginning as far as some of the differences in how you felt and the prenatal care? Sure. So, um, the one thing I noticed right away at the OB, which I know a lot of people have said and will say is that they don't have a lot of time. Um, they obviously have short time slots, they don't, they don't really have the time to get to know you. So it's more like, okay, what do you want? Um, epidural or try without, or, you know, this or this. And it's kind of like there, you don't really have, you don't feel like you have full choice. They're like, all right, um, here are your options, which one you want. And it's more like, okay, let's get you in and out. They don't ask how you're really feeling emotionally. At least my OB didn't, it was more like, okay, how are you feeling today? Good, good. All right, great. And um, just move on. And so, and not to mention all the tests they wanted. And I even remember, because I didn't, I I wasn't familiar with a lot of the tests that they wanted to take um, 
like blood test wise or any of that. So I was, I remember I got brave enough to ask questions and I was like, so, um, do I have to take these tests? Like, what are they? Um, and, and they kind of like basically told me, which I felt was taking advantage of someone who knew nothing about pregnancy. Um, you know, yes, they are required. Um, if you're going to see it, you have to get them, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And everything, test everything, regardless of where you at are in terms of, you know, high risk. Like, Like how old are you? I'm 24. Okay. All right. So yeah, that's, there we go. (laughs) I mean, I I just imagine you don't check a lot of the boxes of, um, you know, high risk in terms of pregnancy, What you know, that's an assumption, but if you are not, then yeah, then there can be a conversation about, do I need every single test or do I need every single invasive procedure in the books that would be a better idea for someone who, who, you know, is more at high risk or wants those things. Exactly. And I feel like there's not enough obvious, like, I don't know, I I feel like there's not enough education in the hospital most times for for women who aren't aware of what birth entails, what pregnancy entails. And the fact, like you said, like, the high risk thing, okay, like, I'm this young woman who is very active, I eat awesomely healthy, like, and and they ask this stuff. But then, yeah, it's no, you still have to get these tests done. Right. It just baffles me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes it's like a hands up in the air type of thing. If I'm I'm tired of, you know, getting on a soapbox about it and then other times I can be more constructive. Um, But, you know, it's it's not necessarily um, my job or your job or anyone's job to change every person's perception. I think it's just by working on our own internal space and being powerful in our decisions and advocating for ourselves and educating ourselves, you know, you create that ripple effect and you create the opportunity for other women to do the same. Um, I was speaking with an awesome midwife a couple weeks ago about the onus being on women to demand the type of care that we want to see. You know, we can't just expect it to unfold the way that it quote unquote should or how it would ideally run. It's like we, it's in our hands to make sure that we are asking for the proper care and that we're receiving the proper information and education. So, um, yes. you know, that's, that's powerful. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Totally. So then um, my midwife that I had, it was a whole different experience. Like (laughs) she, in fact, like I, I mean, I was so blown away how different it was because, you know, the first appointment was two hours or like, and I, like it was just sitting down and talking and getting to know each other. And yes, there's a little bit about, you know, um, some of, some of your medical history and, but it's more like, you know, how you're doing emotionally about with your pregnancy and, um, really try and get you to know you deeper as a person and as a pregnant woman who is dealing with a lot right now. And it was more like I had choice. I had options because I just remember the first time she asked me, would you like me to take your blood pressure today? Like, it's up to you. And not just like throw it on my arm and tell me, oh, put your arm on. I'm going to put this on and take your blood pressure. Right. And um, and I was just like, it to me, it was super empowering to just say no to that, which Mm. in my mind, I was like, this is crazy. Like, why do I feel so empowered saying no to blood pressure? (laughs) But it, so it was such a huge thing. And I mean, everything, it was, well, you know, we could try this, we could do this. What are you thinking? And so it always came back to, 
what I felt was right for uh, my baby and me, what I felt was right for my body, how I wanted to go about things, not what the other person wanted for me. Mm. Mm. I love that. That's so, so well said. So at what point in this process, in this journey, did you get bitten by the birth junkie, potential birth worker bug? Was that after birth or was that at some time in between? Or are you going to kind of get into that once we go into birth story? Yeah. So it was actually, um, I want to say around, um, probably 25, 26 weeks or so where I'd already had a couple appointments with my midwife. Um, and I thought, wow, this care is incredible. And I thought, I want other women to have this sort of care. I Mm. want them to know there's other options. I just remember thinking like, it's like women don't so many, so often, so many women don't understand that they do have so many options. Like, cause I mean, it's just so streamlined in society and just thought that there's one way to go about things and that's it. And I was one of those people because I thought when I first got pregnant, I remember thinking the hospital is the only way I have to go through that. And it wasn't until um, I talked to other people or went to events that I learned there are so many other options And it's not just A or B and you can get the care that you're looking for. And um, so I realized I, you know, there aren't many midwives in my area, um, at least not traditionally practicing midwives, which I absolutely love. And so it kind of got me thinking, like, I want to provide something like this and I don't even know what. And um, at that time, my midwife didn't even realize that I was looking to do some sort of birth work. And I hadn't really openly expressed that yet. Um, But at that point in time, I had noticed they had, she's part of Indie Birth Association. I noticed that they had a school coming up um, all online, which was super nice. And I decided to take the online tour of it and get to know more about it. And I remember, um, like, it had to be probably my fourth or fifth appointment with her. I asked her about the school and I said, you know, I would really love to do it, but it's so last minute and, you know, I'm paying for all this other stuff that I don't think I could do it this year, but it's on, it's on my mind for the next time I can. And, um, it just, it all worked out and, um, which is incredible. She was like, you want to do this school? Like she was all excited. I had no idea. And so, um, it kind of rolled from there where, um, she was like, ah, you know, at the time, she um, was looking for an apprentice, which she has a different apprentice now, but um, it, she was like, oh, you know, if this works out, like, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we could do in the community and you can provide for the community. So it was just excitement on all levels. And wow. so um, it ended up working out where I was able to jump into school while I was pregnant. Um, I was probably, I want to, oh, thank you. I was about 30 weeks pregnant or so. And, um, I was diving into this school (laughs) and I did my homework up until the day I gave birth. And so it was pretty hectic, but it was so fun and so interesting. And, um, from there I realized, you know, I wanted, I want to be a midwife and I'm going to provide that in the future, but, um, I wanted to do something now while I'm going through school, while I'm going to apprentice and do something that can be impactful. So um, I decided I was going to start doula work and it kind of started with a friend of mine who got, she's pregnant. And before I even thought, okay, I'm going to do this. She, she was asking about um, doulas and we kind of were playing off each other like, Oh yeah, maybe I could be there to support you and all this. And then it turned into, yeah, I'm going to be your doula. Like this will be my first real client. And I came up with a name for, my um, dual practice. And now um, uh, um, a friend and I are providing um, community circles where um, we're doing like birth um, support groups um, for moms who had traumatic experiences. Um, we're doing women, just women's support circles um, for everyday life, for struggles they go through. So um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm super excited to provide for the community that we didn't have um, much of, and now it's becoming a regular thing. Wow. 
That's that's incredible. And this is Twin Ports Doula that you are running now. And where specifically in Wisconsin is this for anyone listening who might be in the area and wants to find you? Yeah, so um, I am practicing in Superior, Wisconsin and Duluth, Minnesota, okay. along with I'm willing to travel up to two hours um, for the most part. Great, great. Okay, cool. Just wanted to throw that in there because people mm-hmm. are like, where is she? What if I live near her? <laughs> yeah, thank you. So let's talk about birthing day. Walk me through that. All right. So um, so the day, it's funny. I went into labor on my husband's birthday. Oh, but fun. <laughs> prior, yeah, so we kind of thought, oh, how cool would that be if we had her on that day? But we didn't. Um, we So a few days prior, I was having prodromal labor, um, and I like I just was feeling, you know, kind of crampy and had what I thought might be the start of contractions. And it seemed pretty regular every 15 minutes or so. But then it just stopped. And um, come um, Friday night, so the prodromal labor was happening on a Wednesday. Come Friday night, I was really starting to feel, like during the day, actually, I started to feel more regular light contractions and I was like something's off and I was like I really feel like this is it like I'm gonna go into labor well um I had even I had even told my supervisor at the time I'm like yeah I don't think I'm gonna be into work on Monday um I really think I'm having this baby this weekend and so um I sure enough Saturday morning which I had a pregnancy circle that day to attend I was attending everything I could to stay focused and keep my mind in the right place. And the pregnancy circle was with my midwife, Margo. And, um, I was like, I woke up around 8am. I was having, um, regular contractions about, um, 15 minutes apart. And, but they were, they seemed kind of intense. Like I, I was like, well, this, I mean, they're far apart, but they seem intense, but I ate something. It seemed to get a little better. I was like, you know, I'm going to the pregnancy circle. Screw this. I'm getting one more in. And um, so this pregnancy circle was around uh, 2 p.m. So at that point, my contractions were uh, about uh, 10 to 12 minutes apart, but they weren't too bad. And so I sat through the circle and that day it was even kind of really cool. So um, at that circle, they did um, palpating. So I was used as a model to palpate um, baby's head, which had dropped into my pelvis at the time, and um, just palpate the whole baby in general. And so that was super fun and a a good memory to have for the day I went into labor. But um, then I remember driving home, which was about 15 minutes away, and and within that 15-minute time frame, I had two big contractions, like intense where I did not want to be driving. And I was like, if this progresses before I get home, I'm going to have to pull over because it hurts. And um, it felt like everything just shifted in those two contractions. And they, they felt like they lasted quite a while, even though I wasn't timing, got home. And my husband's favorite meal is um, homemade chicken Alfredo. So I told him, I'm going to make that for dinner. I had bought all the ingredients. And so I get home and I told him what was going on and I was like, but I'm still making you your birthday dinner. Like we're going to have this. <laughs> and so I'm standing in the kitchen cooking and in between stirring things, I'm getting these big contractions. I'm like, Oh no, no, I'm good. I'm going to keep cooking. And, um, he's like, are you sure I can take over? I was like, no, no big deal. And then, um, towards the end of cooking, which was around, uh, 5 PM, I, they were pretty regular. They were about um, seven to 10 minutes apart and they were pretty intense. And I had, I started sitting on a yoga ball in between stirring things and when I would have a contraction and that seemed to help a little bit. But then it got to the point where he like within 15 minutes where I was sitting on the yoga ball and he was finishing dinner because it was coming quick. And I was like, wow, this is progressing really fast. Like I felt like I was like, I don't know if I should call my midwife. And so I did. And she's like, okay, you know, of course, let me know when they get stronger and this far apart. And, um, you know, right now I think you're good, but just let me know if you want me to come. And, um, sure enough, within 
maybe 20 to 30 minutes of that call to my midwife, <laughs> it got, they, um, they got to about uh, three to five minutes apart and they were lasting about 45 seconds. And so I was like, okay, so this is, this is crazy. Like, so I had my husband fill the birth pool, um, which seemed pretty early on in labor, but I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I had kind of wanted a water birth. Um, but, um, I called my midwife and said, you know, I think it would be great if you could come because this, this seems to be progressing quickly. And, um, sure enough, she got there on seven and I was in the birth pool laboring and, um, I wish it worked like a liquid epidural, like some people say, but for me, it just wasn't like that. It, I mean, it kind of eased it a bit, but it wasn't anything great for me. And so stayed in there for a bit because it was a little better than standing up at the time. And, um, within a couple hours, um, it was, um, really intense. Like I was breathing pretty heavy and not even moaning a little bit. And I was just, to be honest, like, it was painful for me. Like it wasn't this painless thing, but it, I knew it was like all for a reason. And I knew that it was going to be great and amazing. And so, um, I've always been good about telling myself just, you know, you can do this, like it's only temporary. And so that was like, I kept telling myself the whole time that this will pass, this will pass. And, um, my husband was great. He was supporting me the entire time. He was like behind me in the pool and massaging me and trying to give me food. Um, but then things got pretty crazy where I did, did not want to eat at all. Like I, I had never experienced not wanting to eat, which is kind of, it was really weird for me. And, um, I knew it was probably the hormones and labor causing that, but I was trying to force myself to eat. And at one point, my husband had to like seriously try force feeding me a banana because I wouldn't eat anything. I was turning everything down. I had a little bit of water, but I was struggling with that too. And so, um, I had been laboring overnight at that point and didn't have much in me other than dinner from the night before and a couple bites of sweet potato. And I was having, at that point I started getting back labor, which was not fun. My baby um, Sayla was posterior, which I knew the entire pregnancy. Um, but it was such bad back labor. Like, um, it was contraction, back spasm, back to contraction. So I didn't get much of a break in between. Um, and we, I, I labor on the toilet a lot. Um, I know a lot of people have said that too, and that seemed to be very helpful and, um, productive and was a good position for me. And, um, but the problem was I just did not want to move much during my labor, which is funny because that's part of the reason I wanted to be at home. I wanted to freely move where I wanted and do what I wanted, which I could, but I didn't want to, I I just wanted to stay in one place and kind of just curl up and just lay there. And, um, but they got me to move a little bit here and there and moved to every room in the house and even tried the bed and nothing like finally got to the point where my midwife was asking me this was around probably well actually no at four in the morning Sunday morning um so October 15th my water broke um mid-labor and I just remember feeling this relief like oh my gosh like all right this is like it's it's gonna be sometime soon still got a while to go but this is a good sign and um well bad side well not really bad sign but like it just kept progressing and I didn't feel Sayla drop any lower like my midwife kept asking me she's like you know have you felt her drop and like you know she was asking me questions and I was like you know I don't know like I, I thought I would notice but I think with not eating and just being exhausted I was just like I I haven't been paying attention and um so I just remember she was really awesome about you know kind of just asking me questions to get me thinking. And, um, finally around, uh, it had to be like nine thirty, ten 10 AM. She was like, you know, you haven't peed in a while. And like, you feel like you need to pee. And I, I, I don't like, I, I really don't. And, um, she's like, well, you know, like you want to walk to the bathroom and try. And so we did. And I sat in there for a good, probably 
half hour, 45 minutes, if I remember right. Who knows if I'm remembering right, but it felt like forever. And I couldn't pee at, at all. And um, she asked me if she wanted, um, if I wanted her to check, um, to feel my bladder, to see if it was full. And that's another thing. She was fantastic about like, no matter what it was, she asked me if I wanted her to, or if I wanted to, it was never, you know, like, let me do this, or I'm going to do this. And so she, um, I wanted her to feel sure enough, she said my bladder felt extremely full. So um, she's like, you know, like, there's a lot of pee in there, but you can't go. Um, Do you want me to try a prenatal catheter? So at this point, I started getting the fears in my mind, like, oh, no, like, I'm going to be transferred. What's going on? And, of course, I'm trying to stay calm and remind myself, nope, this is, you know, it's great. It's going to be awesome. And this is just a bump in the road. Well, um, she tried to put the prenatal catheter in. And, unfortunately, I was so swollen at that point because I had been, like, I was in the pushing phase for quite some time. I felt like I had been pushing uh, at that point probably for at least four or five hours, which sounds crazy, but I just remember, I, I think I pushed early, too early on because she, or I just remember not being able to breathe if I didn't push, which was a super crazy feeling, like, and maybe it was something to do with Sayla being posterior, but um, I would get these big waves, and all of a sudden, if I didn't push, I felt like I couldn't breathe, and so I was pushing super early on, it felt like, and I was exhausted, and so I was super swollen, and my bladder was full, and the prenatal catheter popped out the two times she tried to get it in, and she said, you know, she suggested, you know, like, do you want, are you thinking you want to get a regular catheter or anything, because, you know, it's really full, you're swollen, and you're exhausted, and at that point, I was so I was so adamant I was not going to the hospital. I was like, I am not going. And I was I was like, I don't care. I'm not. And so um, she's like, okay, you know, that's, that's fine. And she's like, let's, let's talk about this in a little bit. So about probably an hour and a half or so passed. And again, she, she's like, okay. She's like, um, you know, can I check you? And she's like, do you want me to check you? Do you want, do you want to check yourself? Let's see how, like how open you are. And she checked me and, um, I was fully open. Sayla's head was right up there. She said, I can feel her head, but I don't know what part of her head it is to be honest. And, um, she's like, I can, you know, really try to hold you open and feel up there, but you know, I don't know if you want me to do that. Well, um, I couldn't take it. I couldn't even barely take a finger being up there at that point. And so um, she's like, you know, I really, I really think that we should transfer at this point. And I just remember the flood of emotion in my mind thinking, this is it. I'm going to go to the hospital. They're not even going to let me labor. They're going to send me to get a C-section and it's going to suck. And um, so of course, I started flooding my mind with negative thoughts and um, she's like, well, you know, maybe you'll be able to get a catheter, get your bladder emptied and maybe they'll let you, you know, like keep labor and even come home if you want. And she, you know, trying to keep it positive and she's like, you never know. And um, so I was like, okay, full blown labor. You don't have to drive about 12, 15 minutes. Like fantastic. And so um, we, got to the emergency room, which my midwife was great. She called ahead, of course, and she came to the hospital and acted as um, an advocate for me, which was fantastic. Um, and surprisingly, they, they put the catheter in and they let me labor um, for six or six and a half more hours while I was there. But um, it came to a point where they told, like, they were getting in my face and they're like, if you don't get this baby out, um, you know, you're going in for a C-section. So that was in my, on my mind. And I just remember thinking, they kept telling me vitals are fine. My vitals are fine. Baby's vitals are fine. Supposedly, according to the monitoring that they put on me. And I was like, why would I need a C-section if everything's fine? Like, it just didn't make sense. So I said, you know, no, I want to keep trying. Well, they said around six and a half hours, you're like, okay, you have two more pushes. 
um, get this baby, get this baby's head out in two more pushes, or we're taking you to get a C-section. And so, of course, I tried with everything I had. I was like, I don't even care if I tear at this point. Like, I just did, <laughs> gave it everything I had. And um, at that point, I had been laboring for, for I want to say, 30-some hours. And so it was intense and exhausting. And I just remember prior to them telling me, okay, that you're getting a C-section, when I came in, um, I remember them shoving their hand up my vagina while I was having contractions and they would tell, like, I, I remember saying, no, I don't want your hand there. And I remember one nurse or whoever it was in the room saying, no, I have to have my hand here. I need to see how your baby's head is progressing. And so even though, um, overall the treatment I had at the hospital, to be honest, was better than I expected that one moment stands out in my mind and it's scary because I, them doing something when you say no is terrifying and it was just uncomfortable. And, um, so I just remember when they told me I was getting a C-section, everything froze. My husband tried to keep it together, but he ended up telling me, you know, um, after the fact that he left and just bawled because he knew it was nothing what we wanted. And, I, everything froze for me. I was like, this is like, this is my birth story playing out because I was born via C-section and I was like, this is exactly what happened to me. And now I'm bringing my child into the world like this. And so, um, yeah. And then, um, after when I went in to get my C-section, the anesthesiologist was awful. Like he just wasn't very caring at all. And of course you can't have your significant other or anyone in there while you're getting, um, the spinal. And yeah, I told the anesthesiologist, I'm like, I, I'm going to have another contraction. Like I, I can't get this right in this moment. And he was just like, Nope. He's like, we got to do it now. It's going to be fine. Just breathe through it. He's like, no, but he's like, and I'm thinking, breathe through it. Are you kidding me? At that point I was like really loud, like moaning and yelling. And, um, but nothing like crazy, like you see in the movies or anything, but just like, Oh, this is awful. I don't want a needle in my spine. And, um, so he, he's like, no, we're going to get it done now. So he put the needle in, he's like, just breathe. Thank God. My contraction that I had, um, started at like right after you got the needle in because then everything just calmed down. But, um, I felt like he just didn't care and, just didn't understand what, you know, what a contraction was like, obviously as a man. And so he just didn't care to even think about it. And, um, as soon as I, um, as soon as Sayla came out, they showed her to me and I remember just, I was still in awe, but I remember thinking, wow, this is not the rush of emotions, um, that I would have had at home or, Mm -hmm. you know, like thinking of all the negatives and, I just remember that was a big reason why I wanted to have her at home. I wanted, I wanted the the possible rush of emo- or um, hormones, and I wanted um, to feel connected, even though that's not guaranteed um, throughout my pregnancy. To be honest, I didn't feel connected to my daughter one bit, like mm-hmm. at all, no matter what I did. And so, I was looking forward to that moment as kind of like a, a okay, I, I feel this now moment. Well, I, when she came out, I was like, oh, wow, like in awe, like, oh, she's amazing. But it wasn't anything I expected. And so then I just remember um, I all of a sudden got a super heavy chest and I was having trouble breathing. Um, and at that point, they were trying to hand me her. And I I took her because I was like, of course I want her chest to just like on my chest right now. But I tried to hold her and... I couldn't. And I, I gave her to my husband because I said, I can't breathe. Like I, this is horrible and I can't have her on me. So I couldn't enjoy the moment. And, um, he, thank God he was able to hold her and everything. But then, um, I remember them saying they could give me some sort of pain or some sort of, um, medication for the chest issue. And I kept saying no, but then it was getting pretty bad to the point where I was freaking out that I would like pass out or something. So like, okay, just give me something. Sure. And, um, it, it ended up getting better. Then when they wheeled me out, 
they were saying that they were going to give me some sort of pain meds and I didn't know what they were. And they're like, they're totally safe for breastfeeding. And <laughs> me, I'm thinking like being my natural thinking mind and holistic, like, oh, I doubt that. But um, I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm good for now. Well, they offered them to me like five times, like they wouldn't stop. And they're like, you're going to want them. And so what I did first was take the lesser of the two evils, I guess. And they're like, well, this one will is less dosage and won't last as long. So I was like, well, I'll take that one. And um, so then I just remember um, I was holding my daughter at that point and we got wheeled up to our room. I hadn't even breastfed her yet. Um, and finally, like, I want to say two, two and a half hours later, I was able to feed her. Um, but, and thank God, like she, she's an amazing, like she was, she's great at eating. So I, I thank God, like she was fine and everything turned out fine. But I mean, yeah, it was crazy. Like nothing that I expected, but everything worked out in the end. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I have a couple of questions. Um, yeah. One the the two more pushes or we're doing a c-section thing what now you know if you've had some conversations about it or you've gained some more understanding on this side what was that ultimate factor like why after those two pushes was that it you know was it just that the way you were progressing was it becoming more um potentially complicated as far as your health and or the health of Sela, you know, what, like who yeah. makes that call that it was like, these two pushes are the final determinant into whether or not this will be a vaginal birth or a C birth. Right. So, um, they said that when they felt her head, they were trying to feel her head, um, with contractions and with the last two contractions, they said that they couldn't feel her move down at all. And, okay. Um, they said they still couldn't feel what part of her head it was and, um, what they, so what they ended up telling me was that her head was too, too big to fit through my canal, which is a, I think it's a joke. And I think it's horrible that they tell people that and that they tell people, you know, failure, failure to progress, but, um, which they told me and, um, it turned out that yes, she was posterior, but, um, after seeing a craniosacral therapist, um, we think that she was also in military position, um, which is a lot harder to get her out, um, with her head flexed a different mm. way. But, um, I, I don't, I almost wonder, like, I, I don't, I almost wonder if like she would have come out if I would have kept going, but I think that it was kind of to save their own butts, of course, because mm. what I remember is, um, even at that point where they said two more pushes, both of our vitals were fine. Mm -hmm. I think that they were saying something about me being really exhausted and not sleeping for almost two days. And, but I still like, that was kind of, yeah, their reasoning. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so since then, how have you been able to kind of process everything? I mean, just like you said, when you kind of finish the, the story, you know, it was crazy. So what have yeah. you done since then, either you or you with Derek or you with your midwife or anyone else that you've been able to connect with? How have you kind of integrated the experience? Yeah. So I find that, um, for me, what really helps, um, any like, um, crazy experience or traumatic experiences to share it as much as I can. Sure. So I'm honest with people and I tell the story as much as I can. And, um, I tell them the painful parts and, um, the first few times I bawled my eyes out when I would tell it and I'm, it's still upsetting, but for me, it's just each time I tell my story, um, it helps me process a little more. And what I, I did was, um, I, a friend and I set up a circle, um, for moms who are dealing with trauma from, um, pregnancy or birth or anything like that. And we sit and we talk about the trauma and why it affected us and how it's affecting us. We share our stories and we talk about um, just kind of anything that comes to mind with that, those scenarios. And um, yeah, that was really helpful too. And um, we've had one of those. We're going to try and do them every other month or so, but um, yeah, I don't know, like just, talking through it and accepting. It. I think accepting it is huge. Um, if I could give any advice, accepting 
whatever happens and um, just, you know, knowing, you know, whatever you plan doesn't mean that's what's going to happen and being kind of okay with how things are. You don't have to like the way things turned out, but just accepting them for the way they are and, you know, working through that. Right. And you said in an email to me, you know, when we were chatting back and forth before our conversation, after all of that experience, it says you are still a firm believer in normal physiological birth and the innate ability and power within a woman when it comes to birthing. That's yes. big. A thousand percent. Um, and, you know, I tell, that's why I tell people I'm the rarity. I'm not the majority. This, what happened to me is not something that's normal. It's not something that happens um, all the time. And um, actually, it's kind of ironic to me because, like I said in the beginning of the call, I think God kind of has a sense of humor, especially in my life, because I went from not wanting, you know, not wanting kids to I'm going to have a kid to I don't want any interventions at at all um, to knowing what I want to getting just about every intervention in between. And like, I don't know, just knowing that, yeah, I, I, I still believe with um, how birth is supposed to work, that women were completely designed to birth and their bodies are perfectly made to, I mean, obviously they can carry a baby for 10 months and um, I, I believe they, they can finish the process after they've grown a baby for 10 months. And just like the fact that it's normal and physiological and it's not a it's not like anything out of the ordinary. I mean, we've been doing it for how long, for mm-hmm. how many centuries? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, think about now what you're doing with your birth work and your, your journey into that and becoming a midwife. You now have this, this experience and this compassion within you to look a woman straight in the eye, you know, eyes in her experience. And, you know, should you be with a woman who chooses to transfer as well? I mean, what you can be for her and who you can be for her. And even the women who choose to deliver at home and, and, and everything stays at home. I just think that, you know, kind of what you're saying, the sense of humor thing and everything happened for happening for a reason, all of that. I think through your birth work now, you get to bring a piece of that, you know, to each woman and family that you serve. And then in turn, I'm sure it's going to, and already is through your doula work, giving back to you and helping to heal any sort of residual aspects and to gain new understanding and that acceptance piece that you said. Totally. Yep. I completely agree. I, that's, and that's one thing I am grateful for throughout everything that I experienced. I am grateful for the experiences because though I might not have wanted them or been happy with them in the moment, I can totally do what you said and just, you know, feel what the other woman's feeling almost in any situation at this point and be able to just um, empathize with her and, you know, support her through it. That's beautiful. Jaleesa, you are Awesome. I'm so happy that we were able to connect and I'm so grateful to you coming on the show and sharing your story. Um, I'm going to include links to how people can connect with you and Twin Ports Doula and, you know, links to Indie Birth as well for people to check that out. Um, anything that you would like to leave mamas, mamas to be with any sort of, you know, final thoughts or uh, advice? Um, yeah, just the fact, like we already talked about, nor- birth is normal. and um, a trans like my sort of transfer is so rare. Like don't like, it's nothing that you should be concerned about, like, or worried about like birth happens the way it should happen. And yeah, it's just, it's beautiful and it's amazing and it's natural. And, um, yeah, for any moms who have experienced what I've experienced, I incur or anything that's traumatic, I encourage them to, um, you know, find a circle in their area, or if there's not a support circle, create one because it's huge. I can tell you, um, there, the one we have here, the women were so grateful and it was a huge turnout and it, it was needed. And I think in any community it's necessary and so amazing to have, to know that there's women experiencing the same things as you and just 
lifting them up in it. Mm. That's awesome. Thank you so much again, Jaleesa Kramer, for being on the Doing It at Home podcast. Thank you for having me. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higg. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.